We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Lord, you're worthy. We give you our hearts. We give you all of our praise. Jesus, you're the King of glory. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Precious King Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We welcome you in this place. We thank you for having your way. All that's in your heart. All that you desire to accomplish. May it come to pass in our lives. Father, we thank you for it. We love you, dear Jesus. We worship you. One more time, let's lift our hands. We surrender all. Everything for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. Our highest praise. Our deepest worship. It's all for Jesus. Jesus. This is our offering. We give you our worship and our praise. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. 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 We're going to celebrate communion now. So you can take your seats and uh, we'll just continue with worship in the background. We're going to distribute the, the bread and the juice. So once you receive this, just hold on to it. Let's all wait and then we'll partake together. If you've been to church before, um, then you may be familiar with this. This bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus. His body that was tortured and abused. And that was for our benefit. The Bible says, by his stripes we're healed. So this bread represents healing for our bodies.
and we partake in remembrance of Jesus. It's written in the Word of God. As often as we eat, we do so in, in remembrance of Him. And we, procre we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. So usually once a month here in the church, um, we do this. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember the price that He paid on the cross. He offered His body on the cross. And it was for us. He did that as our sacrifice. It was not in vain that he was beaten. But it's very meaningful for us. So we don't, do, we don't just do this out of tradition. But we really are remembering this morning. I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. Remember the sacrifice he made on the cross. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. And so we need to examine our own hearts. And because the bread represents the body of Christ, we have to remember our brothers and sisters. Examine our own hearts whether or not we're walking in love. Is there any division in your relationships? And that's one of the things that we can examine. We examine our love walk. Are we walking in love? So, I think everybody has the bread and the juice. Let's thank the Lord for uh, the, the price that He paid. And first, we'll just thank Him for, um, for the, the body that He gave as a sacrifice, His body. Lord, we remember today the price that you paid on the cross, the stripes that you took on your back. You were beaten, you were bruised. And by your stripes, we are healed. If there's any sickness here, as we, as we remember your sacrifice, we receive our healing as well. We examine our hearts. We examine our relationships. And we thank you, dear Father, for your sacrifice. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. juice as well. It represents the blood of Jesus. And his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus poured out his blood. He shed his blood. It was the holy blood of God. And through his blood, he purchased us. He redeemed us. And he has set us free from sin. He has set us free from death. And so we remember this morning. We remember that forgiveness is ours. And so as you examine your own heart, if you need forgiveness for anything, then receive it this morning. Receive the forgiveness of your Father. You don't have to wait another moment. Because of the blood, our fellowship with God is restored. And so we remember the blood of Jesus. We thank God for his sacrifice. And we receive forgiveness. Does everybody have the juice? We thank God. Let's drink together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Bikash. Thank God for the price that Jesus paid. I want to welcome everyone to Embassy of Hope this morning. Good to see you all. And especially our guests that are with us. We welcome you. And uh, we look forward to fellowshipping together after service. We're so glad all of you are here. Every time we gather together, we believe God has something for us. This is not just what we do out of tradition. But we really do believe. We believe every Sunday as churches all over our city come together that God has something special for his people. God wants you to experience him. We experience him during worship. 
Even now, through the bread, through the juice, it's all about encountering Christ personally. And as we look to the Word of God, God's going to speak to us. God's Word is alive and it's full of power. Amen? So we're excited to look into the Word of God together. Aren't you glad that God loves you? Why don't you tell your neighbor, Jesus loves the, you. And then say, and so do I. Jesus loves you and so do I. Aren't you glad that you're loved? You're accepted by God. He welcomes everyone. Everyone is invited. Amen. So the Lord's put some things in my heart. And probably for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about God's original design. God had a purpose in mind when He created us. And we know God is the master designer. We see it in creation. God's handiwork. And we are His masterpiece. Masterpiece. You are the crown of His creation. So we want to look at God's original design for our lives. And so I'm calling this series Roots, this teaching series Roots. We're going to go back to the roots. Everyone has their roots. Your faith has roots. And when our roots go deep and our roots are in the right place, then we can produce great fruit for the glory of Jesus. Because you weren't created just to live and die. You know, I was born, I lived, I died. That shouldn't be the story. Between birth and death, there is time to do something. And in that time, we're supposed to produce fruit for the glory of Jesus. But that depends on your roots. Roots. So sometimes we have to go back to the beginning to see where we're supposed to go. We go back to the beginning to see what we're supposed to do. 
how, how we're supposed to live. God made it clear in the beginning. It's good for you to consider your roots. Even being here this morning, you know, it started somewhere in your life, in the beginning of your life. Your testimony, your history in God, those are your roots. And those roots have brought you to this place. So we need to consider our roots. Oftentimes I reflect on my encounters with God over the years. I remember when I first met Jesus. I remember when he first touched my heart. Those are my roots. I look back on that day that I met Jesus. And because of that day, we've come to this place. So it's good to reflect, it's good to look back. It's good to remember. Look back and understand where God wants you to go. Because you didn't meet Jesus for nothing. You weren't, you weren't born again for nothing. Your encounters with God in your life, they have set your life on a certain course. So how did all this begin? How did this life of faith begin for you? How did your walk with God start? When did you first start taking steps toward Jesus? Remember your history. Remember how your devotion began. It's not an accident. You're not here by accident. God has a plan for your life. And long ago, God set his plan in motion. From the beginning, God had a certain end in mind. And you have to know that for your own life. God knows the end from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world. He knew you. When you were in your mother's womb. He formed you. And God had a plan for your life before you even existed. Scripture reveals God's original design. 
So we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Most of you have probably read these verses of scripture. We'll start in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26. Here God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over fowl of the heavens, over cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that is creeping on the earth. Now that verse is one of the reasons I have no problem stepping on a cockroach. <laughs> it's a creeping thing. And we are to rule over all the creeping things. So cockroach don't creep into my domain. But so this is God making man. This is God formulating a plan. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Cooperating together in creation. Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our likeness. If you've ever wondered what God is like, then just look in the mirror. That's what God is like. God made you like Him. And He made us to rule in this life. He created us to be rulers. To rule over creation. That's why we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. We don't worship the plants. We don't worship the animals. Or the stars in the sky. We rule over creation. And we worship the creator. Verse 27. Shows us more of God's original design in creation. It says that God prepared the man. Or your Bible might say he created the man. He created the man in his image. In the image of God, he prepared him. A male and a female, he prepared them. Where it says that God created us. Or he formed us. It means to be prepared. In creation, God prepares us. So the question is, what did he prepare us for? He was preparing you in your mother's womb. To be born into this world. What did God prepare you for? Why are you here? 
These are the questions that I had in my mind before I met Jesus. I remember walking my, the hallways of my high school. Wondering. Why am I here? What's the purpose for my life? Why am I alive? See, the, the, this is the answer. Why did, what did God prepare us for? Verse 28. It says, and God blessed them. Stop for a moment. This is why God created you. This is what God prepared you for. He prepared you to be blessed. I can see God forming man. And in his heart knowing. Prepare to be blessed. Prepare to be blessed. Prepare to be the recipient of my blessing. This is God's original design. Now we can look around the world and we see a lot of curse. But that's not what God had in mind for man. He created you to enjoy his blessing. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. To fill means to replenish the earth. So this is part of God's original design. That you would be blessed. That you would be fruitful. That you would multiply. And through that we will fill the earth. And it says, subdue it and rule over fish of the sea or fowl of the heavens over every living thing that's creeping upon the earth. These are our roots. This is what God prepared us for. To walk in his blessing. And from a place of blessing. We produce fruits, we multiply, and we fill the earth to exercise dominion over creation. That's what God had in mind in the beginning. And so this is what, this is what God declared over Adam, his first created man. Later there was a flood. Mankind was destroyed. Except for one family. And so then there's Noah. After the flood. Has God's plan changed? You know, God started out with Adam. He had this plan. And then the world gets full of sin and violence. The Bible says everyone's thought was continually evil. 
God sent a flood. Destroyed mankind. Has God's plan changed now? No. God's plan remained the same. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. Here we go again. God blessed Noah. God blessed Noah. This is God's plan. These are the roots of humanity. That's why we can say God bless you. That's why when people ask, how are you? You can say, I'm blessed. This was God's plan from the beginning. Even after destruction. God blessed Noah. And his sons. And said to them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Same plan. God has one plan. Plan A. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. God's not in heaven thinking, oh, what do I do now? It didn't work out. It didn't work. Maybe we have to change our plan. No, God has one plan. God will stick to his plan. And God's plan will come to pass. May we live the same way. Some people have all kinds of plans. Many are the plans in a man's mind. We might have plan A, B, C, D, E, count your fingers, ten fingers, ten toes, you got all kinds of plans. You know, if this doesn't work out, I'll do this. Look, find out what God's plan is. Lock on to the plan of God. If God needs to adjust you, He'll do that. But let's not jump from plan to plan to plan to plan all the time. Stick with the plan of God. Stick with what God put in your heart originally. God has put something in every one of his children's heart. That's why you're here, to fulfill that. So, God's plan didn't change. Even after the, destruct the destruction of the flood, his plan remained the same. Then Jesus came. He died, he rose again. And guess what? God's plan is still the same. Look what Jesus said. John chapter 15, 
verse 6, John 15:6. He says to his disciples, You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, he will give it to you. Six. Maybe it's five or seven. You didn't, is it John 15? You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, he'll give it to you. John 15, 6? Six? 16? 16. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. We found it. Okay, so look, God's plan is the same. He, cho he chose us. He commissioned us to go into the world to bear fruit. What did God tell Adam? Be fruitful and multiply. What did God tell Noah? Be fruitful and multiply. What does Jesus tell us? Be fruitful. Your fruit will last. That means multiply. Okay, this is God's plan. Amen? And His plan doesn't change. His plan is the same for you right now. He chose you. Some people thought they chose Him. The only way you can choose Him is if He's already chosen you. So all of you are His chosen ones. Amen? So that's the introduction. Let's thank God for His Word. And then there's a little bit more we'll look at. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Your Word is alive. Your Word is powerful. Our hearts are open. We're here to receive. So we thank you for speaking to us. And we thank you for teaching us. By your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Father we bless the nation of India. All the elections that are going on. Father we pray for your perfect will. In every state. We pray for Sikkim. We bless the state of Sikkim. We bless Gangtok. We bless this village Samdur. 
and every other place represented in this room. We thank you that your kingdom has come and your perfect will is being done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if anybody doesn't have a Bible, if you need one, raise your hand, we'll get you one. Because we'll look at some more scriptures. You and I, we, the people of God, we are a force for transformation in this world. God has transformed your life to some degree. Now I know the transformation God made in my life. And God's plan is that every transformed life would, would be a force for transformation. So transformed lives transform lives. Your life has been touched. That means God wants to use you to touch someone else's life. And when we all do our part, the church becomes a force for transformation. And it's transformation through multiplication. The church is multiplied. The church continues to grow. The gates of Hades will not prevail. As we continue to multiply, we bring more and more transformation to our world. The way it happens is through the fruit that we produce. As disciples, we are chosen to produce fruit. In John 15, I think it's verse 8. It might be verse 18 though. Check it out. John 15, 8 is what I have. Jesus said this. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. When your lives bear fruit, abundant fruit, lots of fruit, when you are fruitful, you demonstrate, you prove that you are a disciple of Jesus. And, and God is glorified. Notice, fruit comes with maturity. If you're growing, if you're maturing, then you will begin to produce fruit. 
the right fruit is evidence that I am maturing in Christ. And it's the proof of my discipleship. As his disciple, we will bear fruit. And some of the greatest fruit you will ever produce is found in the disciples you make. We've been called to make disciples. This is how we multiply. This is how we grow. That's why Jesus chose 12 and he made disciples of them. Every disciple must make disciples. A friend of mine who's a pastor in Delhi. He always says, if you're not making disciples, you're not a disciple. This is, the, this is how we produce fruit. The greatest fruit you will ever produce is, is when you disciple someone else. And if you have children, that's where it begins. Those are your disciples. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 30, one of my favorite verses, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And notice what it says. The fruit of the righteous is a tree. And he who wins souls is wise. When we win souls, that is the fruit of the righteous. You bring other people to Jesus. Let me tell you how to win a soul. It's not going to happen because you yell at somebody and tell them they're going to go to hell when they die if they don't repent. That's how you maybe offend a soul. Right? How do we win a soul? You win a soul when you make a friend. And you make a friend when you care for people. There's a quote by somebody. People don't know how much you care till they care how till they they don't know how much they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know. You could quote the whole Bible to them. You could tell them all about what God's word says. And you think you're going to win their soul. 
Probably not. Okay, but when they know how much you care, when they know you care about them, you're not just trying to bring them to Jesus, but you actually love the person, you care about them. That's how you win a soul. And he who wins souls is wise. The wisest thing you can do with your life is to win souls. Care about people. Lead them to Jesus. Not just because of what you say, but your example. That's wisdom. It's not about how much money you make. Because when you leave this earth, none of that money will make any difference. There's only one thing we take to heaven. And that is other people. He who wins souls is wise. That is the fruit of the righteous. And your fruit can become a tree of life. Because when your disciples make other disciples, that's how your fruit becomes a tree. This leads to multiplication. Remember what God said. Be, be fruitful and multiply. When you win souls, that is fruit. And there's seed in the fruit. All those people we bring to Jesus, they have seeds in them too. And so that's how the fruit could become a tree. Ultimately, what happens because of all this fruit, the earth is replenished. We, we fill the earth. We fill the earth with the glory of Jesus. That's what fruit does. It glorifies God. The fruit is the glory of a tree. And as you bear fruit for Jesus, as you bear more fruit, and as your fruit bears fruit, the earth is filled with the glory of God. That's God's original design. This is how we fill the earth. Amen. Amen. So the world is transformed one piece of fruit at a time. One piece of fruit at a time. So don't worry if you don't have lots of fruit. Because it just starts with some fruit. There's been missionaries throughout history. They came to this nation. 
They worked hard. Man, before AC, living in the jungle, it was hard. Before vehicles, before airplanes, man, they packed their stuff in a coffin knowing they would die in that land. Year after year laboring for the Lord. And maybe hardly any fruit to show. But we change the world one piece of fruit at a time. So don't worry if there's not a ton of fruit. Just make sure there's some fruit. As long as it's the right kind of fruit, your fruit will change the world. There's an example of this that I recently heard about. And I was inspired by this testimony from another church. This church is in America, in the, in the state of Florida, in a city with lots of crime. They began an aggressive, soul-winning campaign in the year 2001. They mapped out their entire city. And they began visiting every home sharing Jesus. They made a graph, they divided their city up, sent people everywhere. And that started in 2001. And year after year after year, they've been doing that. Now, all these years later, the crime in the city has gone down 50% or more. It's not as violent, it's not as dangerous. And, and they know, the church knows. It's because of the Holy Spirit. And it's because of the fruit we're producing in our city. It's because of what God is doing through them. That's how cities are changed. Gang talk will be transformed. Sikhim will be transformed. And it'll be through the fruit that you produce. We have our own problems in our city. But we can see all the, 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 the bad negative statistics reduced. Suicide will re be reduced. Drug addiction will be reduced. All of the, the evil stuff. As we transform our city. That's why we're here. Just like that church in Florida. 
As we produce good fruit, we can see our city changed. That's what we're talking about. This is God's original design. This is what Jesus spoke of. He said we were chosen and we were appointed for this purpose. Not just to live and die. You know, be stressed out all the time. Work hard. You will wear yourself out. But if you keep your eye on the big picture, why am I here? Why am I really here? See, whether you're in a classroom or a taxi or anywhere else, why are you really here? God has chosen you. He has commissioned you to bear fruit. Eternal fruit. Fruit that will remain. You will enjoy it in heaven. That's why you're here. To bring glory to God through the fruit that you produce. And there's a lot more Jesus says about this. There's a lot more the Bible says about this. And so we'll continue in the coming weeks. But I want to encourage you. Because you might be here and you might be thinking there's not much fruit in my life. Or you might have thought that, you know, there's the wrong fruit in my life. It's possible to have the wrong fruit. Be encouraged. All you have to do is change what's happening in the roots. If you can change what's happening in the roots of your life, that will lead to the right fruit in your life. So maybe there's a, a lack of fruit. Maybe there's the wrong fruit. Well, don't give up yet. There's still time. God is still working. And you might be thinking, man, I have some good fruit. Well, we thank God for that. We, we celebrate the good fruit. But there's more. You have to know that there's more. There's more that God wants to do through you. As He works in you, He can work through you. You can stand with me.